Hello everyone and welcome to Crossing the Tape, our pilot episode, the Halloween spookstravaganza, if you will. Kind of a test run just to see, make sure all our equipment's working right, make sure we don't sound like death. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you'll come to know us. I'm Brendan, joined by my darling wife. Hillary. Do you want to give a rundown of what we want to do here? Yeah, uh, the podcast is basically going to be us discussing cases, maybe solved, maybe unsolved, other topics that are uh, law enforcement oriented or investigative, and giving our professional opinions, um, and with an entertaining twist to the story. And you dare call us professional. What do you do? What are you all about? Well, I was a crime scene investigator. Now I'm a licensed private investigator and a crime analyst, and I focus mainly on cold cases. As well as an accomplished author. Yes, as are you. A little bit. I rode your coattails. True. But I also have uh, seven years in law enforcement currently, working for an agency. That's all you need to know. So tonight, we want to uh, start it off. First, tell you a little bit about how we met and why we're so delightful. <laughs> and then we'll give you a quick rundown of a few spooky Halloween cases to wet your whistle. <laughs> to jacko your lantern, if you will. Do <clears throat> you want to give the insight of a, a fateful June homicide? Sure. So, of course, we met at a homicide scene. I was the investigator at the time, and we were both working for the same agency, and he was the officer that was securing the scene, and I was none too pleased I was called out that day. I had worked all week. It was a Saturday. It was my day off. Got called in, a little disgruntled, but as the evening wore on, um, I was a little bit more pleased with what happened and every time I'd go outside to get some kind of equipment or you know evidence bag or anything I needed every time I went outside um, Brendan would come out and talk to me which I thought was strange <laughs> at first but I was pretty pleased later on and we ended up talking that night and having our first date the next day and we were married a year later. Yeah, I remember sitting, watching, making sure nobody ran into the scene or anything, fooled around. This cute little lady kept coming back and forth, doing her job. <clears throat> I decided I would take full advantage of that, and here we are, three and a half years later. Yeah. <laughs> Happily married, parents to dogs. Mm-hmm. Do you want to... Uh... Talk about some Halloween, the spookiest time of year. Sure. So, our uh, podcast will be a rundown of some not-too-savory things that happened on Halloween. And uh, one thing we wanted to point out is that Halloween is one of those holidays that people take advantage of as far as crime. It's the one day a year everybody's in a mask and they're disguised, they're not themselves. Um, physically, this is an advantage for criminals. They can blend right in. Um, 
it's the one day a year that, you know, you'll open a door to a stranger in a mask. And even mentally, I would say criminals take advantage of Halloween because it's a make-believe. It's the time to pretend, and that's the best time to commit a crime sometimes. Right. Everything's intentionally frightful and shocking. So it'd make it extra easy if you wanted to creep up on somebody. It probably wouldn't go so noticed as it would any other day of the year. Mm. And you mentioned opening your door to a stranger in a mask. Any other time, that'd be a huge red flag. (laughs) But if it's on October 31st, it's probably just a kid looking for candy. Mm -hmm. So that's a perfect opportunity for someone who's up to no good. But there's myth and question about if Halloween really is more dangerous than any other day of the year. We know holidays like Christmas, Thanksgiving, things like the Super Bowl, any big party days, there's going to be an uptick in DWIs and probably domestic violence, uh, family fights. But Halloween sees a serious increase in, of course, theft and other property crimes. Uh, According to Traveler Insurance, Traveler's Insurance Company, they see 24% more claims than average on Halloween, and 60% of those are from thefts. People stealing Halloween decorations, maybe they're, they stole your nice crystal bowl that you left out on the front porch with a, just take one note. Nobody just takes one. No. Why would I they? took one. I'm a, I was a good kid. Well, me too. But the person after me would take the rest and throw the bowl in the street. Yeah. Insurance claims are up based on that. Uh, NYPD sees or saw in 2018 a 14% increase in reports of crime throughout Halloween, the whole day of Halloween, which doesn't sound like a ton, but Mm. NYPD, 14% is like hundreds and hundreds of calls. Right, the ratio based on population. Uh, call volume. And then, you'll like this, Boston sees during trick-or-treating hours, just in the evening, there's a 50% uptick in crime. Hmm. So a huge increase just during that, you know, probably 5 to 10 p.m. Right. At, you know, where you're going to have so many people out, so many people wearing masks, wanting to have a good time, fooling around, the spirit gets the better of them. And I don't mean like the spirits, like the ghosts. <laughs> I mean the Halloween spirit of mischief and trickery. Well, pranks. Pranks that go too far. Right. Yeah, people that think they're just goofing around and have a license to do it on one day. Have you ever heard of a uh, Halloween decoration being so gruesome and realistic that it actually was real? Well, I have heard of it. Would you want to tell everyone about it? There's been a few cases. I know there's every few years there's some kind of headline. Uh, I remember seeing one a while back of, I think it was a gentleman who had sadly committed suicide on his balcony, but mm-hmm. his body sat there for days until there was a welfare check called in, and his neighbors didn't really know him, and they didn't think anything major of it because it, it blended especially in. after a couple of days, it just looked like another mm-hmm. spooky scarecrow zombie thing uh, in 2015 about October 15th a uh, young lady in Chillicothe Ohio was 
beaten to death and either placed hanging from the fence in her front yard or that's where she managed to get to running from whoever was attacking her and I assume more so because of the placement you know, there's something hanging from a fence you don't expect a person to be there but someone might put a big skeleton mm-hmm. or something some of her neighbors initially thought like, oh she she hung up like a zombie thing mm-hmm. turns out she's dead for I believe at least a day sitting there before police got involved uh, the as the uh, our resident crime wizard what does a delay in time do especially to an outdoor crime scene what do you run the risk well you run the risk of losing evidence and any immediate evidence especially if it's outside could be destroyed by weather weather's another factor um that can also interfere with uh determining the time of death just Mm -hmm. based on weather also certain elements god forbid you've got good shoe prints in the dirt and there's strong winds Mm -hmm. that day or it rains on your blood drops or right any fingerprints that you might have laying around and especially if somebody just thought this was a halloween decoration they kick that bloody bat down the yeah. street obviously that's a problem and right and then things you... may not be where they should have been and then you have a hard time determining what how the events played out right and well and then if it, they think it's a halloween decoration they mess with it right. then you run the risk of more contamination contamination and you, you have to have exclusionary dna to figure out who was there and mm-hmm. did something and who was just messing around right Yeah, who thought they were making their way into the haunted house? And were they actually coming back to clean up the crime scene? Or is this just some poor soul who just touched a dead body for the first time? Right. Uh, There was a gentleman who was charged in that case. He was charged with murder. But when that went to court, he ended up being found not guilty. And there's quite a few that I found missing women, missing and murdered women in... Chillicothe, Ohio. And some people still believe that guy's responsible for all of them. Hmm. Some say he got off and it was kind of bogus, his defense. Or there's still some other maniac, if they're all related, right. who hasn't been brought to justice. Uh, we talked a little about everybody being masked on Halloween. When you think movies and masks and all you think like a bank heist and right everybody needs a disguise for some reason but on halloween you're in plain sight mm-hmm. and you don't know who the person next to you is you blend right in even if it's someone you know really well you wouldn't know it until you really spoke to him uh, in 1982 for some reason these people were given candy out on october 30th i don't know if that was a Hmm. city sponsored thing i believe it was in fort dodge iowa probably was for some reason i guess they did it on the 30th that year uh marvin brandland and his wife ethel got a knock at the door kind of later on in the evening and figured it's just somebody you know another kid for some candy so they open the door and the guy says give me all your money 
They figure, all right, well, this person went the trick route rather than the treat route. <laughs> so they laugh it off. Ethel tries to pull the mask off to see if it's someone they know. The guy pulls it back down real quick, forces his way into the house, and pulls a gun on the two. So now it's getting a little less funny. He tells him, hey, bring me downstairs into the basement and open the safe. Now, the only people that they said they that they told they had a safe would have been close family. That narrows down the suspect list yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, close family, maybe a couple of close friends, but this wasn't just... You couldn't peek in the window and see, oh, see it. these folks have a safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think there's... Is it pretty common to have a... I guess that'd be kind of an inside job if someone knows... Yeah. What you've got. Oh, yeah. It would narrow it down quite a bit, mm-hmm. especially if they only told a handful of people or, as you said, you know, close relatives, then it seems like it would get narrowed down unless, you know, a relative told somebody else and word spread to the wrong person. But mm-hmm. more often than not, it's going to be someone they know. Mm-hmm. And often with crime, especially when it has to do with your home, usually is somebody you know, at least as an acquaintance. Right. Yeah, you can, in my experience, when someone has a break-in, it's because somebody knows that they've got something valuable, and you see it Mm -hmm. a lot in someone who's like a known drug dealer. Mm -hmm. Their house gets broken into, they report it, and they don't report that their drugs are missing, but... Of course not. You can can deduce you you can usually infer well whoever did this was most likely somebody that buys from you on a regular basis Mm -hmm. because they know well he keeps the money in that drawer right the drugs behind there that or they owe somebody else something right it's pretty rare that it's just a random someone walking down the street and decides you know that house seems i I just got an itch that there's (laughs) some money in there that'd be worth kicking a door and getting well ethel and Marvin didn't really like where this was going. Marvin was sure that this had to be someone they know if he knew about the safe. Mm-hmm. So he decided, no, we're we're not taking you anywhere. The intruder got frustrated, and he ends up shooting Marvin, and then running out of the house. And to this day, there's no conclusion to the case. It's gone cold. Hmm. But like we said, it's got to be someone close, either a friend or a family member. And that means that all of the survivors, all of Marvin's Mm -hmm. relatives, they know it was probably one of them. Right. It's got to be haunting for the family. Of course, because then you don't know who it is. Can you imagine a family gathering and looking around thinking, oh, it might be Uncle So-and-so? Right. Who can you trust? I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't yourself, but... You don't know about anyone else. That's also an extreme change in that crime. Mm-hmm. Going after the money, going after the safe, and then not even getting what you want, mm-hmm. and then turning to murder. Yeah, you know, just... I've heard of often, you know, they somebody steals something, and then they get what they want, and then they commit a murder. Right. Because then there's no eyewitness, but to not even get what you want, that seems a little strange. Yeah, to realize, well, he's not going to comply... So you just execute the guy and leave when he could have just run out. Mm-hmm. I mean, And you still left was another never, survivor. Right. He was still never caught, but 
I mean, that's a huge risk for someone right. trying to get away with something that you leave yeah. a a survivor, a survivor and B. Now the bullet that you fired is mm-hmm. at the scene, right? And can be matched up to the gun potentially. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even get what you wanted, right? So it was all for naught, and it greatly increased their chance of getting caught. Yeah, but unfortunately, right. still nothing. Uh, you ever had a you you've been trick or treating, right? Yes. <laughs> Many moons ago. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention, we're, I, I know we're not doing a video podcast, uh, but we did, since this is the, the Halloween spookstravaganza, we both decided to put on our nicest Halloween costume. So I am currently dressed as Freddie Mercury of the band Queen. Maybe you want to tell the people about your costume? No, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you've, you've, but you've dressed up before. Yes. Before today, before this elaborate getup that you want right. to tell us about. Right. It's a mystery. You gotta keep it, keep it real. Yeah. That's part of the spooky. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, have you ever gotten like an apple with a razor blade in it? No. Have you ever had a, like a poisoned Reese's? No. A Reese's piece of poison? No, not even a piece. <laughs> so, but... You see every year, and especially now in the internet age, it's more common with hoaxes and clickbait articles and nonsense, that the children are in terrible danger. Right. People who sell and deal and use very expensive drugs are giving them away for free as a <laughs> prank. Although, you still should be careful. There's yeah, some you of should that, always double check. Especially sure. with all the new fentanyl yes. around. Yeah. But... Mm. All the club drugs that look like right. Mike and Ike's. Right. Look like Smarties. Mm-hmm. But yes, I mean, You should there's... still check your children's candy. Yes, by all means. I mean, any food you eat, but especially when you're getting it from strangers. Yeah. Give it a look over before you enjoy. Right. But generally, those are hoaxes. Yes. Yeah, there's nothing behind them. And I couldn't find a single case of a child actually being poisoned by Halloween candy from a stranger. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say there haven't been kids who have been poisoned by Halloween candy, but it's usually, well, In, it's every time. Yeah. It's either they ingest something accidentally and the finger gets blamed on the candy or to try to cover up what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there was a five-year-old who got into his uncle's stash of heroin, ate it, died from it, and the family either mistakenly or to help protect the uncle started raising cane about someone must have slipped him heroin in his halloween candy that night which as you pointed out especially a high retail price drug yeah. they're not going to give it away right so that that's unlikely extremely <clears throat> but there was there's no actual instances of a stranger poisoning a child to death on halloween but those myths still stem from something. I think it mainly, I mean, there were older reports of speculation. I guess there was a dentist in the 20s who mm-hmm. handed out candied laxatives yeah. as a goof, and that didn't go over too well. But nobody was actually hurt. They're, right. They experienced some discomfort. They and then just a whole were lot cleansed. Of comfort. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they uh, 
the fears still come from something. And I think it started in Deer Park, Texas, uh, 1974. There's a guy named Ronald O'Brien, who apparently was kind of a big screw-up. In a matter of months, he had 21 different jobs. Hmm. Couldn't hold anything down. Money was getting tight, and he was about a hundred grand in debt. Ooh. According to inflation, that's about that's mm. over half a million today. Yeah. So he's way Yikes. deep in debt. He's in debt like a restaurant owner on one of those Gordon Ramsay shows. He owes it all. It's all on the line. Yeah. He's in the weeds. But he decided the best way to get out of debt. He's got this son, who is very valuable, at least in according to life insurance companies. And how many were there? How uh, many he, insurance so policies? He took out one for 10000 initially, and then I think there were like three more for 20000 each just hmm. in the weeks leading up. In total, it was like, I think it would have been over 150000 in today's money in hmm. life insurance policies taken out on his eight-year-old son, who is a perfectly healthy young man and Probably wasn't just going to up and croak anytime soon. But he waited until, I believe it was the day before Halloween, Took Ronald took himself down to a chemical supply store in Houston and bought some cyanide, which I didn't really... I never thought about that being com- like just available at retail stores. Yeah. I know you can get like lye and... Rat poison and things like that. And harsh caustic, caustic chemicals. chemicals. You know, Breaking Bad style body dissolving agents at your local hardware store potentially, but I'd never but thought cyanide. Of, like, yeah, like rat cyanide. poison would be the one I would think of because yeah. it's easily yeah, accessible. You can get your hands on some decon, no problem. But he went and got himself some cyanide, and when his son got home from trick or treating on Halloween, he asked before bed, "Can I have some of my candy?" Which was the perfect time for Ronald to go retrieve a nice powdered pixie stick Hmm. from the child's candy bag. And it seemed like it was kind of clumped together and the O'Brien child was having some trouble getting it out of there. So his dad helped him consume the cyanide and pixie dust. Hmm. He immediately started vomiting and convulsing Mm -hmm. and didn't take long for him to die and of course ronald's initial he maintained his innocence the whole time but insisted well somebody who was giving out pixie sticks must have handed out poison right but there were no other instances of Mm. any ill children and i'm sure most people threw away a lot of their candy after they heard this story oh yeah they didn't want to take the risk but unfortunately the o'brien child passed away and Pops did try to cash in those life insurance policies, but was pretty quickly found out to be the culprit of his son's cyanide poisoning, and was eventually sentenced to death and killed by lethal injection in 1984, which I Mm. thought was fitting. True. Just jam him full of poison. Yeah. Apparently he thought that was a good idea. Eye for an eye. Hmm. Should we give a little tease for next week's? Yeah, we should. So we've got one more big-time Halloween spooky mask story. But you're not going to hear all of it now. No. You will have to tune in to our next show. Uh, 
we plan on doing about two episodes a month, so it should be maybe the first and fifteenth or something like that. And maybe little bonus episodes here and there. Right. Maybe some sponsors, maybe some guests. Yeah. A little bit of that. We'll see what As time goes on, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see how many millions we can make off of this show. <laughs> but to uh, carry you through to the next episode. 1957 Los Angeles. Good year. Year I was born. Mm-hmm. And the place. Yeah. And <laughs> a gentleman, a hairdresser, Halloween night, opened his door to uh, some trick-or-treaters. And from the other room, his wife could hear him say, well, isn't it a little late for trick-or-treating? Followed by a gunshot and screeching tires. Mm. And when she ran in to the front door, there was her husband laying in a pool of his own blood. Hmm. And she had a good feeling of who did it. But you'll have to wait until next time. Yeah. On Crossing the Day. For now, signing off, I'm Brendan. And I'm Hillary. And we'll see you again soon.